Are you guys ready? Are you guys excited? They told me I'm, this is the best meeting we have. Is that true? They told me that this is the best crowd. Is that true? That's what they said. That's what they said. But I'm so excited to be with you. And I believe that God's going to speak to you. I believe that God's going to minister to you. And before we start, I want to ask you, did you bring your Bible today? Because it's church. Come on, guys. I want to see how many actually brought their physical Bibles. Do people still have actual Bibles? <laughs> okay. High five. High five that person that has an actual Bible. Okay. Now I want to see who has a Bible on their iPhones or Samsung or iPad. Let me see. All right. Okay. Put it on airplane mode right now. No distractions, no Instagram, no WhatsApp, no whatever. You can get distracted. And you're going to open your Bible in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Proverbs, chapter 24. We're going to read verse 11 and verse 12. Proverbs 24. How many of you, I have, I use, normally every day I use this, I do this. I read the proverb of the day. How many How many of you do this? Okay, I see, I see a hand. I see two, like three people. This is actually really important, and it's actually a really good um, advice because Proverbs is to make you wiser. So if you don't want to be dumb, you can read Proverbs. So who wants to be a dummy? No one. Who wants to be wise? Okay, read what? Every day. I'm, I'm telling you, you'll get smarter. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, if you want to get smarter, read Proverbs. It's true. Okay, Proverbs 24, 11, and 12. It says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. What does it say? Good job. You just had to say the first word. but Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Then it says, hold back those who are stumbling To the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we didn't know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? I want to speak to you on the theme. You could put it just one. Say with me, just one. Look at the person next to you and tell them, just one. Right now, you don't understand, but you will at the end. Just one. Go like this. Just one. I love that in the Bible, I think we find why we're here, why God saved us, and our mission and our purpose on this earth. The first thing that it says in Proverbs 24, the first key word I want to speak is rescue. Rescue. A lot of times, we don't understand the meaning of this word. I think, I don't know how many of you like to watch, you know, those action movies that they have, like, this big rescue mission, and the whole movie's like, and the climax is when they actually rescue the people, you know, how many of you like those movies? All right, I like those movies, but I actually prefer true stories. I don't know how many Colombians are in the house. All right, so... Colombians are going to understand, a few years ago, I think 2007 or 2008, in Colombia, we had the greatest rescue story.
story the world has ever seen. And it was called, I don't know if you guys remember, Operacion. Good job, Operacion. Jaque. Those that don't know what we're talking about, you're going to know. This Operacion Jaque was awesome because it was under, I'm not trying to speak about politics or anything, but it was under President, I'm talking Spanish here. It was under President Uribe. And in his book, it's actually a really good book if you want to know Colombian history, you can read it. I read the book, and that's how I know the details about this operación. And it was crazy because they rescued 15 hostages by the FARC. You know, the FARC is the terrible group that now they want to go into politics, and they're not. But I'm not going to go there. And it's crazy because they had been in captivity for over five years or six years, 15 hostages. And this mission, they set them free without shooting, not even one shot. So it wasn't like they went in, they shot everyone, they shot the bad guys, they got the hostages, and they got out. No, this was such an, a mission that was planned. It was with strategy. It was thought thought in a, such a way that it was so smart. How did they do it? You know, I, I love the way they did it. A few months before, you know, the I think the special forces killed one of the top guys from the FARC called Raul Reyes. I'm giving you some Colombian history right now. They killed him. So this brought the FARC to some instability. And the President Uribe with the armed forces took advantage of this. And they infiltrated one of them one of the communications, so look at this. I want to try for you to understand. The FARC had different, like, headquarters, and they infiltrated the main headquarter. So every, all the communication that they would do, like, where they would transport the hostages, everything, they thought they were talking with the main headquarter, but they were really talking to the Colombian Special Forces. So it was crazy. They planned it for months, and for three months, they thought they were talking to their own people, the FARC, but they were talking really with the special forces. So they used this and they started thinking, how can we make them give the hostages voluntarily without shooting not even one single shot? It was so, for real, it was so incredible how they did it. And how did they do it? They said, okay, we're going to come as a humanitarian, you know, group. We're going to come in a helicopter. We're going to help the hostages. And we're going to say that, that we're going to transport them to another, you know, another base, another, another base. And that's how they did it. The whole time, the FARC thought they were talking with their own people. They thought it was something that was coming from, like, the top. But it was really the Colombian Special Forces. When the helicopter came, you know, the hostages, they had no idea. They were treated badly. They, had, they barely had food. They saw the people in the helicopter, and they talked the way the FARC does. They acted the way. They, they were mean to them in the, on the ground. But once they got on the helicopter, everything changed because they were undercover. Go like that with me, undercover. And it's crazy because some of the FARC actually got on the helicopter. Once the helicopter, you know, took off, they, I don't know, I think they, like, punched or kicked. I don't know what they did with the actual people from the FARC. But then they looked at the hostages, and they said the words that they were, like, waiting for and longing for. They say, don't worry, we're from the Colombian Special Forces. You're set free. Imagine being hostage for six years, randomly receiving or getting on a helicopter, and hearing those two words, you're 
free, or actually three. You are free. <laughs> actually three, grammatically correct. You're free. Imagine, you know, the emotion. I would be, I would be like so happy. Wouldn't you be so happy? But what I love about this is that being rescued, the way it was done, the strategy it was done, the strategy it was put into, the, the everything, it was so planned out that that's why it was so effectively. A lot of times we don't understand this word rescue. And we don't understand how we can rescue others. I believe that everyone in this place, you know, before I continue, how many of you have been Christians for over a year? Let me see. Okay. How many of you have been Christians less than a year? Let me see. Okay. Good job. Congrats. How many of you have been Christians for over two years? Okay. Wow, good job. Say it like you're proud. I've been Christian for two years. Yeah. How many of you have been Christians for three years? Wow. Hallie. For more than five years. Say like, oh, like you're graduating or something. More than 10 years. I've been over. More than 15 years. You're old, man. More than 20 years. Wow. More than 30 years. Okay, more than 50 years. I'm trying to see age group here, <laughs> how old you are. So I think almost everyone, we've been Christians for a while. When I was reading this verse, when I was reading Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, it's a message to those that have heard, you know, the gospel, that have heard the good news. And look at what it says. Jesus says, the Lord says, rescue those who are being taken away to death, who are being taken away to one destiny. What's the destination? Death. I want to read a few passages just for you to understand a little bit. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, says this. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sin, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Romans 6.23, I'm sure you've heard this verse. It says, for the wages of sin is, say it louder, is. But then it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 5 verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, what came because of sin? Say it louder. Say death. It says, and so death spread to all men. Did it say death spread just to some men? It said death spread to all men because, say that word, because. Say it louder, because all sinned. So Proverbs says, rescue those that are being led away where? To? But then as we read these passages, we say that in Isaiah, Isaiah says, look, God wants to work his hand on your life. His, his ear, his ear is attentive to hear your prayers. But there is something, there is a separation that doesn't allow God's hand to be on your life and doesn't allow God's ear to be attentive to your prayer. What is that? It says, because of your iniquities. 
And then in Romans, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. And then once more, the apostle Paul says, sin came into the world because of one man. And then it says, sin spread to all men. Because death, I'm sorry, it says death spread to all men. Because all sinned. The enemy, he works he hasn't changed. He works in a similar way. He uses the way is called sin. But the destination is always the same. It's what? Death. And the enemy, he works the same way. Why is, this, why is there a conflict between the enemy and the human race? You got to understand this. The enemy, there's a con, it's, 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 it's continuously a, a, a constant conflict between the human race. And it's because when God created us, when God created you, when God created me, God said, let us create man according to our image. So when God looks at you, when God sees you, he sees what? He sees God's image. Anything that resembles God, the enemy hates. And the enemy hates the human, human race so much because they were made from nothing. They were made into God's own image. So let me, let me tell you, the enemy's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not going to help you out. He has one mission, to kill, to, to steal, and to destroy. That's his mission because you remind him of God. So look at the person next to you and tell them you are looking at God's creation. And say, you are looking at a wonderful masterpiece. Say, you see this nose? God's image right there. Do you see these eyes? Not blue eyes, but God's image. Everyone wants blue eyes. <laughs> but look, brown eyes, they're cool. Black eyes are cool too. Black hair, woo! Look, you got to believe. Do you believe you're made according to God's image? Your face doesn't look like you, you really believe it. Do you actually believe it? The enemy has one mission, to kill God's image in you. That's, God's, that's the enemy's mission. And since the beginning of time, it's interesting. When God, when God came, he had communion with man. When man sinned, what happened? A separation. They were separated. And then what happened? Cain, he had actually, Cain had an opportunity to act, good, to act good. God said to Cain, he said, Cain, if you want, good is knocking in your door. Or, and evil was knocking at his door. But he chose what? What did Cain do to Abel? He killed him. When Joseph's brothers saw him from far away, they had allowed resentment. They had allowed hate to go, go, to, to go inside their hearts. But when they saw Joseph walking in, they started talking among themselves. And they said, come, let us kill our brother. When Moses was born, Pharaoh's idea was what? To kill all the babies. When Jesus was born, Herod he ordered what? All the children under two to be killed. Why did they do this? Because the enemy, everything he does is to kill. Now, I want you to understand something. 
The destination is not only when you actually die. Because the Bible says because of sin, death came. There are many that are living in sin. Therefore, they are living in that destination, death. When Jesus came, he already did everything. He already did the rescuing for us. Jesus already conquered death. He already rescued us. He already rescued you. He already rescued the human race. But the enemy, he's done the same thing over and over. Every generation needs to be rescued again. Jesus doesn't need to die every time, but no, they need to be rescued from the, from the enemy's deceive. What does the enemy do every generation? He deceives every generation. He doesn't want them to live in the freedom that Jesus already conquered. Every generation is like God has to raise an army for every generation to rescue them from the enemy's deceive. Every time the enemy does the same thing. What did he do with Eve? He used the serpent to what? To deceive. Now sin comes in different forms. It's not like sin is going to come and tell you, hey, I'm sin. Sometimes it comes in, in a disguise that you don't even know it's sin. But once you open the door, you're like, oh, yeah, it's sin. And you're in it. And you become a slave. But the destiny, the destination of sin is only one. There's no big sin. There's no little sin. There's only sin. And sometimes we measure our sin by comparing ourselves to other people. Oh, my sin is not too bad. You know, I just... I just lied. I just, it was a little lie. You know, that person, man, I know he's doing like this and that and that. I'm not too bad. You know, God, I did good today. I went to church. I didn't, I didn't yell that much. I didn't lie that much. It was okay. And you compare yourself because of your good acts. But the Bible doesn't say the wages of this and this and that sin is death. But these other, if you're in group A of sins, you're okay. If you're in group B of sins, then you're not, you're, you're, you're going to go to hell. This sins, you go to heaven. This sins, you don't. No, the Bible say, says the wages of sin, all sin is death. Let me tell you something. Jesus, he rescues you so that you can rescue others. Are you understanding that? He rescues you so that you can rescue others. But what I feel today is that a lot of you here need some rescuing yourselves. We need rescue from what? From the enemy's deceive. You know, I want to read, before I continue, I want to read quickly what Judges chapter 16, when Samson, you know, Samson was a great man of God. He had a great calling. He was used by God in a great way. But the enemy used a disguise to kill his calling. The enemy used a disguise. And sometimes a dis the enemy doesn't come to you as a serpent, you know, because we read that the enemy comes as a serpent. No, that's what he used with Eve. But with you, he might use something else. And when Delilah came, Delilah was what the enemy used to destroy Samson. And the Bible says that they spoke to Delilah and they said to her, seduce him, Delilah, and see where his great strength lies. And by what means may we overcome? 
overpower him. The enemy uses traps. You know, he hasn't changed. The first thing he does is he seduces you. Why? Because there's a strength. When you know God's truth, when you know that Jesus saves, when you know that Jesus rescued you, you have a great, a great strength within you. You've been rescued. But the enemy over and over, constantly, he wants to take you away from the light to the darkness. And what does the Bible says here? Delilah, seduce him. See where his great strength lies. And by what means may we overpower him. You know, for Samson, the way that the enemy used was a woman. Proverbs speaks a lot about the, the woman that seduces man and leads him to one destination. What is that destination? Death. Ananias and Sapphira. The enemy used another, another method, another trap. It was greed. But that same greed, that same sin, the sin of immorality, the sin of greed, took them to one destination. And what was that destination? Death. What God was speaking to me was how a lot of times we ourselves, we are rescued. And I believe many of you here have been rescued, have been rescued from darkness into light. But he doesn't rescue us so that we can sit Saturday after Saturday there and just say, sing um, happy songs and worship songs. But he rescues us so that we can go out and rescue others. You know, I see it like right now. I don't know if you know, I had a baby two months ago. Beautiful, lovely, happy baby. Sleeping almost the entire night. Hallelujah. He is incredible. And there is a joy when you have a baby. One thing, when you're like nine months pregnant, the, the one thing you're thinking is, I want to have this baby now because you can't go on another day with that big belly. And when that baby's born, it's such a joy because he was born. But you know what's the greatest joy? When you see that baby grow. When you see that baby start getting chubbier. When you see that baby start, oh, he smiled, oh, oh, he sneezed, oh, anything new that he does, you're like, oh, oh, he farted, oh. But when he's 20, oh, he farted. You don't rejoice that he farted. You rejoice that he farted when he's a day old. When he's 20 years old, you're like, ew, don't fart in front of me, go. Is it true or not? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. It's interesting that the greatest joy is that they get to grow. You see, you have to go to the, you know, to, to the doctor and he weighs him and he tells, okay, no, he lost a little weight. You got to, okay. The, everything is focused so that the baby can gain weight. Now, it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, God, I know that God is a father. He's, he's God the father and we're all his children. And it was his greatest joy when you were born into the faith. When you were born, and when you were born again, it was like party in heaven. Yeah, David was born. Yeah, Kevin was born. Yeah. But you know what really brings God joy? Seeing you grow. When a baby is three months old, he has diapers. You got to change his diaper. You know, he poops, and you happily change him. But when he's five, and he's still using diapers... That's weird. You know, you don't see a mom changing a five-year, changing their diaper. I don't think they, they even have diapers for a five-year-old. It's not normal. If you're changing their diapers when they're five, something is wrong. 
And a lot of times we behave like babies, spiritually babies. So we've been in church forever, but we want to keep receiving the same message for years. You know, the message, spiritual milk is good, but it's good for a certain amount of time. You were born into the faith, but God's greatest joy is for you to grow into the faith, for you to mature in the faith. Imagine, you know, you're born and you're five, ten years old and you're still sucking your thumb. Is that normal? No, that's weird. But there are many that are Christians that are still, oh, no, I, I still want my spiritual milk. I don't understand. He didn't look at me good. He gave me a bad look. Oh, and it's still like dumb stuff. Say with me, dumb stuff. And you're still sucking, you're like, I have to rescue others? I have to lead others? What? And you know those kids, you know, I see kids that they're like one or two, and you talk to them. There's like well-behaved kids, and they're like not well-behaved kids that didn't get spanking. You know, the cool kids and the kids that could use some spanking. And I think some spiritual kids need some spanking. You know those kids that need spanking that you talk to them and they're like, eh, and they look at you bad and you're like, ooh, how many of you have met kids like that? Sometimes we behave like that in church. You know, our leader comes, he tells us something, and we need some spiritual spanking. I believe in spanking. You know, I'm glad, I'm, I, I'm a big, I don't know, I haven't spanked my son because he's two months, he's so sweet, but I will. The time will come. But I believe there are some here that could use some spiritual spanking. You know, some spanking is not going to kill you. Spanking saves you. It's true. Spank them kids. A lot of times, no, it's true. We've heard the gospel so much. We, and, you know, and we take the message of the gospel for granted. The message of the gospel is the most powerful message that there is. It's not just another story. It's not a sweet story that Jesus came, that he died for me, that he rescued me, and that he rose from the dead. That's not a story. It's true. It's powerful. It's alive. And when we take the gospel for granted, you know, I don't even want to think what's going to happen. You know, when the day comes, we're living a time of grace, but a time of judgment will come. When God is going to tell us, what did you do with what I gave you? And I truly believe when I was praying, God told me, spoke to me so clear. I rescued you so that you could rescue others. The Bible says, seek first his kingdom and all these things will come to you. And a lot of, we, a lot of times we become so self-centered, only thinking, oh, what's God going to give me? And we never come with an attitude, what can I give God? We come to church expecting to receive. But have you ever come and have you ever sat saying, Lord, what can I give you? What can I offer you today? We sit down saying, what's God going to give me? You know, he doesn't have to give us anything. He already gave us everything. And a lot of times we're missing on why we're here. I believe God's going to rescue. There are many that have been deceived by the enemy that right now are walking in the path of sin and that the destination is death. 
But let me tell you, God will rescue you today, but he's not going to rescue you so that you can continue sitting there every Saturday. He's going to rescue you so that you can rescue others. So if there's something I, wanna, I want you to remember is it's time to rescue. Look at the person next to you and tell them it's time to rescue. It's time to wake up. Shake them up a little and say, it's time to wake up. And I, I want to I finish with this in uh, Matthew chapter 25. If you can turn quickly. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 14. Matthew 25, verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Say with me, entrusted. And then it says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each one according to his ability. Say with me, according to my ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had received the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your, of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful. Another word for slothful is lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money in, with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was at my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will will. Everyone who has will more be giving, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I think the greatest danger is not with the person that has five talents. Because the person that has five talents, you know, they feel they, they've been in church more, they have more disciples, and they're like, no, I feel like I'm doing something important. The person who has two talents also, maybe they're in worship or something like that. But then there's a person that just has one talent. The person that comes at maybe they don't even have a cell group. Or maybe they just know one person. 
Or maybe they compare themselves with another person that has been in church longer, that they have more people. Or they have a cell group, but their cell group is just all their cousins, and they have like 20 cousins, so it's easy for them. And you say, no, what I have is not important. What I have, the small thing I have is not important. The danger here is not the person with five talents or the person with two talents. It's the person with one talent. Because that person feels that what they have is not important. And look at what the servant says. I was afraid, so I dug and I hid your talent. You know, let me tell you what your talent is. Because you have a talent. God has entrusted you something. He has entrusted to you the gospel. The gospel. And a lot of times we do what this servant did. We're afraid of sharing this. And we hide it. And we hide the gospel. We hide the talent that God gave us. You know, there's people around you that you may not even know, but they're going and walking into that destination called death. They may show a smile. They may show, say, hey, I'm good. I'm doing good. Everything's good. But they're dead inside. They're spiritually dead. And you know who has the key to rescue them? You do. You know who has the talent to rescue them? Say it with me, I do. Say it louder, I do. Say it even louder, I do. A lot of times... We're missing the essence of what God has given us. I want you to remember that God rescued you to rescue others. Look at the person next to you and tell them it's time to rescue. What was the sin of this man? What was his greatest sin? That he did nothing. That was his sin. James says, he who knows how to do good and doesn't do it, sins. A lot of times we say, no, but I haven't done anything big. Just you doing nothing, you're doing something big. I don't know if any of you have heard of Pastor Cho here. Any of you know who Pastor Cho is? Go like this. Okay. Who doesn't know who Pastor Cho is? Google it. No, I'm just kidding. Pastor Cho is the pastor of, or known to be the pastor of, the largest church in the world. And I was reading how he got saved, and I was so impacted. Because, you know, Pastor Cho, he doesn't come from a Christian background. He was actually a Buddhist. And when he was young, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Is the same in English? Tuberculosis. But back then, it had no cure. So the doctor told him, look, you have three to four months to live, so, you know, good luck. So he went to the hospital. They did some treatments to get a, a few more months, but there was nothing he could do. So he stayed in the hospital a few days. And while he was at the hospital, a young lady, a young high school student showed up in his room. And she didn't even mention her name, but she asked him a question. She said, do you know Jesus? And he had never heard of Jesus, never, he, but he knew it was like something with religion. And he didn't want to hear it. He was like, I don't want to hear it. And she was like, I don't care. You know, 
I want to speak to you about Jesus. And she started speaking about Jesus, about how he died, about how he rose again, how he took our sins, everything. To him, he says it was nonsense. And she kept talking and talking and talking. And then he says, when this young lady finally left, I felt one emotion, relief that she had finally left. That's what he says. He's like, thank God that she finally left. And then the next day came, and who do you guess that showed up again? She's like, hi, it's me again. So now I'm going to talk to you about Mark, what, the, what Mark says about Jesus. And she started talking to him, and he was like so annoyed. Next day came, who came again? Same lady. For an entire week, she showed up every day. And then finally he had it. He was like, look. I don't want to hear anything about Jesus, anything. I don't want to hear anything about your gospel. I just want you to, and he rebuked her like hard. And you know, Asian people, when they talk, it, it already sounds they're mad. So imagine when they're mad for real. It's true. And when she heard this, it's interesting because she didn't run off. She's like, all right, I, I was doing you a favor. Okay, that's how you want to pay me? All right, bye. No, that's not what she did. She got on her knees there, right there in his room, and started crying out to God for his soul. And just started praying and crying and saying, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on this man. Have mercy that he may know you. And he saw her crying so much. And he was so touched that she would cry for his soul that he started feeling sorry. And he was like, no, 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 don't cry. Stop crying. I'll become a Christian for you, but just stop crying. Stop crying. Look, what do I have to do? What do I have to pray? And she was like, oh, okay. Have you seen 50 first dates when the guy's like crying? I'm sure she, I'm sure she had a, a moment like that. No, but she wasn't fake crying. She was really crying. And that's how he got saved. And how many people came to know Jesus because of this man? Millions of people. A lot of times, we have to start with just one. You know, I'm not telling you rescue millions. I'm telling you start with one. How many? One. A lot of times, the hardest thing is to start. It's like when you stop going to the gym. When you stop working out, it's hard to start. It's really hard to start. You like you you postpone it. You're like, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. And then you you continue eating not that good because you're not working out. You know when you work out, you watch what you're eating. But you're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And you keep postponing. You're like dreading the moment to start because you know that when you start the next day you're going to be sore and then to get better you have to continue but the hardest thing is to to start a lot of times when we need to share the gospel the hardest thing is the first person I'm not telling you invite someone hey you want to come to a meeting that's not rescuing someone hey you want to come no rescuing is when you do with strategy what these people, the Colombians, did. they thought it through. They did everything and they went into the enemy's territory. They grabbed the hostage and they rescued them from darkness. There's people you know that need to be rescued and time is running out. So we don't have a lot of time and God's going to use you. He's going to use your life. He's going to use your mouth and you're going to go into the enemy's territory and you're going to rescue them and bring them in into the light. Who's going to do the rescuing? You. 
I can't go to your job. I can't go to your school. I can't go where you live. And you know, sometimes the person that's hostage, that's held captive, is right next to you. And God's going to show you today where you can start. Just one. Look at me and say, just one. Say it like you mean it, just one. Just one. A lot of times we're so self-centered. Let's think about that one person. You know, next week, I love next week because we celebrate Easter. It's what Jesus, Jesus died and he rose for us. Let's use our talent. Use our talent. And I want to challenge you today to do something. I want to challenge you not to bring a thousand, not to, if you could bring a thousand, that's awesome. But just to bring one. Because our mission is to rescue that one. You think you could do that? But don't think like, oh, yeah, except no. Today's a challenge for real. A challenge where God's going to bring a person into your mind. And just as God has rescued you, just as God has changed you, you're going to be God's instrument to save possibly the next Billy Graham, the next Pastor Cho, the next person that God can use to bring millions. God only needs you to speak and to rescue at least one. I want us to watch this next uh, clip. I loved it because it shows how when you start with one, you see that there's someone else that needs rescuing. So let's take a quick look.
Only you can do this, but I can guide you. And what are you going to do? You're going to close your eyes. And you know how humbleness is a state of the heart, is when you acknowledge that you need God. And with your attitude, you're just going to lift up your hands. And you're going to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me because I knew better and I fell into the trap. Forgive me because I was walking into the path that leads to death. Forgive me, Lord, because I, perhaps I was doing nothing and that was my greatest sin. There is no great, there is no small sin. Sin is sin and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Lord, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to continue living a life of sin. That's why I've come to the front, because I want to change. And you're going to lift up your hands. You're going to forget about the person next to you. And you're going to feel how the Holy Spirit is going to start touching your heart. He's going to start touching your life. I don't know. I feel there's people here that were slaves to sin, that they would try to go out and they couldn't. Today, God is setting you free. You're going to look at the cross and you're going to say, Lord, set me free. You conquered this for me. You set me free when you died on the cross for me. You're going to look at the cross. You're going to see Jesus. And you're going to see that he already conquered. He conquered death for you. Death doesn't have to be your destiny. Holy Spirit, you know every person in this place. You know their hearts. And I feel many had fallen into the trap of the enemy. But today is a day of freedom. The Bible says if you confess your sin, I can't confess for you. This is your chance today. God has given you an opportunity to confess. Say, Lord, this was my sin. You can't confess inwardly. You have to confess with your lips. You have to confess with your mouth. When you confess, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you. But if you, if you don't confess... If you don't confess, that sin is going to master your heart. But if you confess in humbleness, you're going to say, Lord, today I needed to be rescued. I needed to be rescued. I can't rescue or I couldn't rescue before because I needed to be rescued. Father, I pray rescue person in this place and you're going to place both your hands over your head you're going to touch your head and you're going to feel that they're not your hands but you're going to feel today that it is the Holy Spirit through your hands I feel that battle your greatest battle was there right there in your mind in your thoughts and today God is setting you free from any not just negative thought I feel many here were struggling with thoughts of depression 
immorality started there. Suicidal thoughts. Thoughts that were leading you to death. And the enemy was, the door the enemy was using, I feel it was through your mind. But today the Lord is saying, I am setting you free. The enemy had strongholds in your mind. But today God is breaking every stronghold that the enemy had placed in your mind. And today he is setting you free in Jesus' name. Today he is setting you free in Jesus' name. And you're going to feel that strongholds are being broken today in your mind. The door that the enemy was using, I feel in my heart, the door that the enemy was using was through your mind. But today that is being broken down. And today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you go from darkness to light. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to place now your hand over your heart. today the Holy Spirit is telling you son, daughter I rescue you so that you can rescue others start with just one start with just one and then your prayer will be just like this man, Lord help me get just one more just one more Lord just one more and if you want to commit today to truly not invite someone, not know, but to commit to truly rescue one, one that right now may seem like they're fine, but they're in captivity. If you're not with God, then you're in under the control of the enemy. Millions need rescuing. And God wants to use you to rescue them. If today you want to commit to bring, to rescue just one, and God's going to bring to mind that one person, you're going to lift up your hand real high. You're going to lift up your hand like you're enlisting into God's army. Like you're saying, Lord, you rescue me and it's not in vain. And as you lift up your hand, God's going to bring to mind, God's going to bring you the one person that needs rescue. God's showing you right now. He's showing you right now why he put you in that job, why you're where you are, why you have the family you have. And God is showing you, I'm going to use you. I rescued you so that you could rescue that person. Just one. Start with just one. Start with just one. And when you rescue one, you'll realize there's one more. And then you'll realize there's another one. But a lot of times, we've been afraid. And we've hidden what God has given us. The gospel is the greatest message you have. Don't be ashamed. The Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed. We can't be afraid. We can't hide it. Lord, here we are. 
and you're going to say with me, you're going to repeat after me, Lord Jesus. You're going to say it louder, Lord Jesus. Here I am. You're going to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for dying on the cross, for taking my sins, for taking my punishment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for rescuing me and for calling me to be your instrument. I've been rescued to rescue others. I've been rescued to rescue others. You know, Proverbs 24 says, it says, rescue those that are being led away to death. Hold back those that are being led into the slaughter. But then it says, don't say, oh, I didn't know when the time comes. There's going to be a time that God's going to ask you, why didn't you rescue? And a lot of times people are going to give excuses and they're going to say, well, I didn't know. The Bible says, does he who weighs the heart does not, does he not know? Can't he see? He knows that we, that we know. Today, God's giving us a chance to start growing spiritually. Many of you are leaving the diapers today, leaving the milk today, and today you start that journey of spiritual growth. It's time to start saying, Lord, I want to grow in my faith. And now you're just going to, I want to, I want us to finish this time, you know, worshiping God. And I want you to lift up your hands real high. And we're going to sing this song one more time. And as you sing it, you're going to see the people that God's going to use you. You're going to see that person, one person. And you're going to feel just as God has rescued you over and over again. I feel that God has rescued some, so many times. It's like the 10th time that God rescues you. And let me tell you, it's time for you to assume your calling. God rescues you, not so that you can sit and hear more messages. He rescues you so that you can rescue others. People need to hear this message. God wants to use your mouth. He wants to use your life. Lift up your hands real high. Forget about the person next to you and say, Spirit of God, fall fresh. Say, 